0: Welcome to the Grace at a Glance podcast from Grace Church of Lyditz and Grace Creative. We are a Jesus church where the gospel is central, where we love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. Thanks for joining us. I'm so glad I can say those words and that I'm back. Uh, By God's grace and all praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a lot of people to thank uh, for while I was gone. So many uh, wonderful things through the ministry of people. Uh, First, of course, I want to thank my wife, Tammy, who was with me on the trip. And she's a registered nurse. And when the heart attack happened, I popped a couple of, of Tums like you Would normally and I'm pretty hard-headed at times and she said you know what's going on I said I have indigestion and I popped a couple more times (laughs) anyhow she said to me finally she said you're having a heart attack and I'm taking you to the hospital and so I thank God that she was with me and that she was trained to recognize it later the doctor there said most men die of heart attacks because they think it's indigestion and they try to tough it out So I should have known, I mean, my family history, uh, uh, in my family, I've lost three uncles, and uh, my cousin was 63 and died in his sleep, all of heart failure and heart disease. So uh, I'm grateful that God has given me more opportunity to represent him. Uh, I'm thankful for the staff here at Grace Church. I wanna especially thank uh, Pastor Mike, Pastor Dan, Pastor David for filling the pulpit while I was away. Uh, It's uh, In addition, there's a lot of work that gets done uh, in preparation during the week to present the sermon. And those uh, guys picked up uh, my uh, portion of work as well outside of the pulpit in addition to preaching, in addition to their regular jobs here at the ministry. And so I'm really appreciative of them for Uh, carrying. And we have a great young GER staff of, they don't like me to call them Young, young GER and uh, they really all stepped up and led this church uh, over the course of the last 100 days and thank you to them. I want to thank Mike Van Bell and the elder team. Uh, As soon as they got word of what had happened in California they jumped into uh, action and uh, tried to make sure that everything on that end of the country was going to work for me. They sent Dan out to California to make sure that he could uh, find out what was going on and what kind of housing we needed, etc. and uh, so I'm just very thankful to our leadership for their ministry in our life. Uh, I have a neighbor who came and cut my grass. I have people who brought me food. Uh, I have so many thank yous that I need to, to get out, and, uh, and I will. Um, Over time, you'll hear more from me if you've ministered to me. I just have so many people that I need to thank and and just thanking the Lord Jesus for the privilege of continuing to pray Uh, and continuing to answer your prayers on my behalf to allow me to continue to preach. That's one of the things I've noticed since surgery. I'll get words mixed up. So if I see you and I call you by the wrong name, don't worry about that. That's normal. I've done that for years with my kids. <laughs> but if I forget words, uh, I've noticed that since surgery, I, have, I can have those moments where I can't get a word quite right. So off to the side here, behind the curtain, is my iPad with all of my notes. So if I just kind of like stop in the middle of something and you see me walk over there, don't panic. It's just me, can't remember what I'm supposed to say. Um, let me tell you what else has happened to me over the course of the last 100 days. Some of you know this, some of you don't. But I spent time in a Chinese prison. Uh, I woke up one morning in a Chinese prison and not, I didn't know why I was in the Chinese prison. I just woke up there and I was, uh, I was panicked. I didn't know where I was, I didn't know how I got there. And I asked the guards who were guarding me, why am I here? And they only spoke Chinese. And so, like, I'm in this prison. I don't know why I'm in it, and I can't get out of it. And so I am, like, really wrestling in my cell with, I need to get out of here. Why am I here? And uh, finally, there was a guard who showed up, and he spoke some English, and here's what he told me. I said, why am I here? I don't know why you're here. I'm not allowed to tell you that. Uh, Well, is there any way out? There is a escape way. There's a way to get out. You're gonna tell me no, I'm not gonna tell oh well, I will tell you. You have to tell a joke to every other inmate and get them to laugh at your joke. And if you get them to laugh at your joke, we'll let you out. But every joke has to be different. And so for several days I was trying to tell jokes to imaginary inmates, and none of them were laughing. And I was like, this is a pastor's worst fear. You're telling a joke, and everybody's looking at you, and nobody's laughing. And I honestly, honest to goodness, thought for several days that I was in a Chinese prison. Where I actually was, was in the CCU unit, under the influence of heavy drugs. And I put it together later that my doctor was Chinese, Dr. Wong. (laughs) I'm not making this up. And under the influence of the magic drugs they were giving me to take care of the pain, I believed he had put me in a prison. And the nurse was the prison guard, and I couldn't get anybody to laugh. Now, here's what I don't know. I'm not sure whether all of this conversation was out loud or all of it was in my head. But what I do know is is that it sure seemed very, very real. And, uh, And that's because I was under the influence of very powerful things. And when you're under the influence of something or someone, you will tend to hear what they say and do what they want. I came to enough lucidity on about the third or fourth day where I, I yelled out to my nurse, and this she could hear, no more pain meds. And so from like day four, it was just Tylenol and nothing else because I was going to get out of that Chinese prison, believe me. Well, while you're in the hospital and you're there for a long time, as some of you know who've been through difficult uh, surgeries or difficult times in in, uh, the hospital, there's not a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of time. And uh, if you're not sleeping and you're awake, you know, what are you going to do? And one of the things that I did was I read my Bible and I prayed because it was one of the few things that brought comfort to my soul. And uh, you can only watch so much TV, and you're not really feeling like watching it, anyhow. And it's busy, and people are around you, and and anyhow, uh, I was reading my Bible, and one of the passages of Scripture that that God impressed on my heart is this Scripture here that talks about His guidance in our life. It's John 10:27. And uh, it reads like this. It's a pretty simple sentence. It occurs in John 10 where Jesus is going to give the message of him being the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And in verse 27 at the bottom of the, of the, uh, the sermon, at kind of wrapping it up, he has this little, this little passage. And it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Well, that was uh, impressed upon me by God a great deal during my time there and things that he was teaching me. And I thought, when I get back by God's grace to be able to teach and feed the people of God at Grace Church, I want them, if I can, if I'm able to do it, and I hope I can, impress upon you what Jesus impressed upon me so that your experience of feeling that closeness to Jesus that it can be as good as my experience was during that difficult time. Uh, I hope that you don't have the difficult time, but I do hope that you'll be drawn closer to Jesus and feel him in a very real way. So I want us to look at the three reminders of this verse that talks about his guidance in our life and, and all because we belong to him. And so this first thing that I want us to notice is the possessive nature of Jesus for us. The possessive nature of Jesus for us. He says two times in this verse, he uses the word my. He identifies his people as belonging to him. So one of the things we may not think too much about is when we ask Jesus to be our savior and he belongs now to us, we also belong to him. Right, because our faith is not a religion. Our faith is a relationship. In every religion, you get acceptance and a relationship with God at the end of your human performance. You die, you stand before God, and you hope that your good points outweigh your bad ones, and he lets you into a relationship eternally with him. Christianity is not that. Christianity does not teach that you do enough good and it outweighs enough bad, and at the end, God accepts you. No, the Bible teaches something completely different. That's why the gospel is a completely different message than every other religion in the world. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that our relationship with God begins at the beginning when we invite him to be our savior. When we ask him by his grace to forgive our sins, we enter into a relationship with him that Jesus says is eternal life. I give to them eternal life, Jesus says. And when does that happen? The moment you believe. You don't have to wait for the day of judgment to hope that you're all right with God. If you follow the teachings of Jesus, you will find out that you're right with God today, not because of what you've done, good or bad, but because of what Jesus has done that's entirely good. Now Jesus says that he knows the people who belong to him. So if you've given your life to him, you belong to him. And the Bible says that he purchased you by his blood. He died on the cross, and when he shed his blood, that blood was a payment for your soul. More precious than silver or gold. Some people say, I don't know. I know, Jesus died on the cross, what was that for? Here's why he died. His sinless life was offered in exchange for your sinful life in the presence of a God who must punish sin in a just universe. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory, the Bible says. Well, that means I've fallen short, way short. You've fallen short way short. That means that we've brought injustice into God's universe through our actions. Jesus came to live justly, righteously, and sinlessly, and when he offered himself on the cross, it was in exchange for the death I was supposed to pay. He paid it for me. And with the shedding of his blood, the Bible will equivalents that to a payment made for our soul and now we've been purchased out of the marketplace of sin and we've been brought into the family of God by the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Our God is a loving God who found a way to bring justice to the world in a universe full of sin by sacrificing his sinless son as a substitute for me. And so Jesus, when he talks about you, if you've come to know him as your savior, if you've invited him to be your Lord, You belong to him in a relational way. And so he says, as he uses this analogy of sheep, my sheep listen to my voice. Now, why does Jesus use the analogy of sheep? Because in that society where he lived in his day, it was an agrarian society. People had animals. This is how they survived. Almost everyone was a farmer. And in the farming, they had flocks. And so this was a very common and typical metaphor that Jesus is using. But he also plays upon what the Bible says almost from the beginning, which is it compares people to sheep. Now, what are sheep like? Sheep are easily frightened. Sheep can easily wander off and get off the path. Sheep are easy prey for predators who want to destroy them. Sheep are a pro, uh, a thing that produces wool for the owner and god all throughout the scripture uses the analogy that people are like sheep and that they need a shepherd the shepherd is the person who leads them and so jesus plays on that analogy here in john 10 and he says i know my sheep so shepherds knew which sheep were theirs and which sheep weren't, even though at night there might be several flocks in the pen where they were staying. The sheep learned their shepherd's voice. They wouldn't follow another voice. They had learned if they were that shepherd spent time with them, they learned the voice of their master. And they came under his influence. You're gonna be influenced by something And that's the thing that you're going to listen to whether it's someone or something everyone gets influenced and listens to the voice and follows it jesus is talking to religious leaders in this passage and he says that they were false shepherds he says that he's the good shepherd and so the idea for jesus is everyone's a sheep and everyone will follow someone or something You will listen to something, and it will influence your life. That's basically the teaching here. So Jesus says, my sheep are influenced by me, and they listen to my voice. Two guys were walking down the street in Manhattan. I don't know if you've ever been to Manhattan, but if you have been to Manhattan, you know how noisy and boisterous and intense it is. And these two guys were walking down the street in Manhattan when the one guy said to his companion walking down the street, hey, I just heard a cricket. And the other guy looked at him like, what? How in the world of this noise could you hear a cricket? Well, that guy reached into his pocket. He had a half-dollar coin, and he dropped it on the, on the concrete, and eight people came over immediately to see that because they heard the noise. And he basically said this to his friend, you will listen to the things that you were interested in listening to. He liked to listen to the cricket because he was a zoologist. And his ear had been trained to listen to the voice of the creation. When he dropped the coin, you found out what other people were listening to. The principle is what? And Jesus says it here. You will hear the thing you are listening for. Jesus in the New Testament sometimes says, Uh, You have ears to hear, but you can't hear. Now, what is that all about, especially since he says, my sheep listen to my voice? Well, he's basically saying that some people are able to listen to the voice of Jesus because they're attuned to it. They're in the Word of God. They worship Jesus when they come to places like this. They're in a relationship with Christ, and as a result, as Jesus speaks over time, they're able to hear him when he talks. And if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, you know that there are those times in your life when God specifically gives you direction and it's as if the voice of God were speaking directly to you. My sheep listen to my voice. It's entirely true also that you can hear things and not really hear them, not really be listening, right? Franklin Delano Roosevelt, you know, one of our presidents in the past got elected four times to office, served three full-time terms and a portion of a fourth. And about midway through his third term in office, he told his aides, I'm not going to any more presidential dinners. And they asked him, why not? And he said, because when people come through the line, I have to put on a fake smile. I have to pretend that I'm really interested in them, and they never listen to anything I say anyhow. He said, it's all just one big charade and pomp and circumstance, and I'm sick of it. And they said to him, oh, come on. People are really glad to meet you, and they're listening to you when you say something to them. He says, I promise you, they don't listen to anything that's said to them in that line. So that night, he asked his key advisor to come and stand next to him in line as he shook the hands of all the dignitaries and the people who were there at the presidential dinner. And when the first person came through the line, he shook their hand and he said, I murdered my grandmother today. And the person said, it's so nice to meet you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me here. And off they went. He looked at his aide. and He said, see? Next person came in. He shook their hand. He said, I murdered my grandmother today. Same thing. (laughs) Now, it's possible, Right? To have something be said, and you're not really listening. And comics and movies are filled with the, the, just the, the play on the fact that the wife is talking and the husband's saying, uh-huh, 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 and he's not listening to a word she says. Right? What's, what's the principle? The voice can be speaking, and you can miss it altogether. Now, Jesus says his people have learned how to listen to his voice. That means they've been trained to know his voice, and they're attentive to his voice so that they can listen to what he's saying. And Jesus has many things to say to us individually, not just collectively when we meet in large gatherings like this one, which leads us to the second reminder in this passage, which is this that there's intimacy with jesus and that you can know him because he knows you earlier in verse 3 of chapter 10 jesus will say i know my sheep and i call them by name every shepherd has names for his sheep now you may have an animal a pet at home uh, you might even have cattle or other kinds of larger animals in your farm. And what's, what's common for us is we, we name our pets, don't we? Why do we do that? Because the first assignment Adam was ever given, if you read in the Bible, was God told him to name the animals. When you name something, you give it dignity. When you name something, you make it a possession. When you call something by name, it is connected to you. You always will refer to that thing in a certain mindset and framework. You know, you have a cow out in the back and her name's Nellie. Or you have a goat and that's old Blackie. Or you have a dog and her name's Ruby. Although Ruby is now in doggy heaven. At any rate, you have certain realities when you name things, right? It is a sign of relationship to that thing. Now Jesus says, I know my sheep, I call them by name. So I really wanted to preach this message because when I was in the hospital, something uh, unusual happened to me. Lots of people have had bypass. That's not unusual, and they have a 98% success rate in America on these bypass things. And lots of people recover and have good long lives after that. So that's not what was unusual for me. What is what is a reality about having hearts open heart surgery is when you're done, you can't sleep. Your entire chest and every muscle that they that they sawed through and the bone that they saw into and they pull you apart and Separate your rib cage so that your heart's just sitting right there for the surgeon to work on. And when they're all done putting you back together, you just feel pain everywhere. From here down to here. And uh, you can't sleep. There's you just can't get comfortable. So you roll on your side, and, ah, you roll on that side. Ah. And so there's many nights in the hospital if you have that kind of surgery where you just lay there awake. And I thought, I can't just lay here awake and watch TV. I'm going to lay here. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship Jesus. And so I was doing that. And and I was singing and praising God for allowing me to have pain, for allowing Tammy to be with me so that I would get surgery and she would get me over to the hospital because she understood what was going on. And I was just worshiping the Lord, thanking him mostly that I still had the opportunity to represent him before people in this world. Now, the Bible says, and I, I had the second best outcome for my surgery, by the way. The best outcome would have been to die and go to be with Jesus. Because the Bible says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, that's extremely opposite from what the world says, right? Right? The world says every day that you can not be underground, that's a good day. And you've probably said that, and I've probably said it, but the Bible actually teaches something different. The Bible actually says that if you're here in this world, alive in your body, you are to live as a representative of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or you're just uh, out in the world doing your Uh, thing that God has called you to do. Whatever God has has directed you to do for you to live is Christ. Your primary thing is not your vocation to make money, although your vacation is really important to making money. And the important thing is not that you get to pursue your ambitious dreams for the field that you want to be in, although that's important and God wants you to do it. All of that stuff is given to you so that you will live for Christ in a way that in your circle of influence, whatever that might be, you can make a difference in the lives of others by representing the Savior who's so precious to you. So you are to be on the lookout, right, in whatever realm you're in for those moments when you can both live for Christ and praise his name in front of others. So for me, I was thanking God that he spared my life so that I can represent him. If he, uh, it would have been better for me to have gone to be in the presence of Christ. For to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, it wouldn't have been better maybe for my family, right? They would be missing me and they would be, they would be grieving me. Well, maybe. (laughs) I think, I think they would have. But for me personally, God says he's a God of the living and not of the dead, right? You see, the Pharisees and Sadducees were two religious groups arguing about whether there was life after death. And Jesus says to them, you're arguing about this thing. God is not a God of the dead. God is a God of the living. And what he meant by that was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of the Old Testament prophets, they had died physically, but they were very much alive spiritually in the presence of God. And for the Christian, when you leave this body and you go to be in the presence of the Lord, you're in a spiritual state in his presence. You're not going to stay in that state forever. The day is coming when, just like Jesus was resurrected from the grave on the third day, what happens to you? Your spirit is taken and reunited with a resurrected body, and you live forever in a body. You don't live forever as a spirit. You don't go to heaven with the angels and play your harps forever in the spirit. You get your spirit someday and your soul reunited with your body, and you're raised from the dead to live in the presence of Christ forever and ever. Right? Isn't that the teaching of Christ? Jesus died for us, he was buried, and he rose from the dead for us. He's the firstborn from the dead, not the lastborn from the dead. You and I have an appointment if we go to live with Jesus in the spirit, You and I have an appointment to live with Jesus in the flesh someday as well. Well, having said that, I was thanking the Lord for allowing me to still be alive and represent him here on earth. I was singing, not very loud, because I had a roommate. And I was praising him and I was worshiping him and I was thanking him and I was quoting scripture. And I stopped for a moment. And that is when God said to me. Now, it sure sounded like an audible voice, like he was sitting in the chair at the end of my bed. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit speaking so loudly to my mind that I could hear it out almost as if it were out loud. I don't know exactly how that happened, but here is what Jesus said to me, and I wasn't soliciting his talk. He gave me ten words. He said this, Tim, I know how to take care of my own. Now, that's a principle we all know as believers, right? That God wants to take care of us, that that he wants that which is exceedingly abundantly in our life beyond all we ask or think. He's promised us that. But sometimes there are those moments in life when God just does something extra to speak to you, to remind you who you belong to, and that he knows all the things that you're going through. He knows whatever the circumstance is. When he died for you, he died for you with with your name in his mind. When he gave his blood, he knew he was shedding his blood for you. Before the foundations of the earth were laid, he called you by name, and he sent his son to rescue you. Jesus and the Father know his people. And the thing that jumped out at me, more than what he said there about taking care of me, is that he used my name. That's how he started his sentence. Tim. That's my name. That's the name my mom gave me. And I, I, okay, you say, well, you're also the guy who thought he was in a Chinese prison. I get it. The point of it is you're under the influence and you hear the thing you're under the influence. And in that moment, I was under the influence of the Lord Jesus Christ because I was in his presence worshiping him. So should I be surprised that he would speak to me? No, when you open the word of God and you're reading it, you need to listen for the voice of God. When you're singing your praise to God, the things that should be on your heart and mind are Jesus and Father and Spirit. And when you're in that space, what do you think might happen back? God speaks to your heart, right? Because if it's a relationship, I don't know any relationships that work with just one person talking and the other person being silent. There's no such a no thing as a good relationship where only one person speaks. Relationship means both people speak and both people listen. So should it surprise us if God would decide to call you by name? And by the way, you can go to the Bible and find out many passages in Scripture where Jesus calls his friends by name. He calls Peter by name. At the tomb, when Mary shows up on Sunday morning and he sees Mary, he calls her by name. And he knows your name. If you belong to him and he died for you and you've received him and you've said, Jesus, be my savior, he knows your name. You belong to him and he wants to be intimate with you because every good shepherd knows the name of his sheep. And when he calls the sheep, a third reminder for us is that Jesus not only has possession of us, not only does he have intimacy with us, but he also has leadership over us. See what he says there is the final piece of that verse? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The final truth about walking in relationship with Jesus is this. If you're willing, he will lead you because that's what sheep need. Ranchers drive cattle. But shepherds lead sheep. Instead of being in the back with a whip, smashing and getting you to move, the shepherd is out in front with his voice saying, trust me, follow me. I'm going to take you to a pleasant pasture where I can feed your soul. And he has his rod and his staff, and if you get a little off of the thing, he'll just bump you on the backside and get you straight on the back on the straight and narrow. And if you're downcast, which means the sheep falls on its back and all of the blood flows out of its legs and it can't walk and it would just die if you didn't have a shepherd, the shepherd comes along and he sets you upright and he rubs your legs to get the blood back in it and then with his staff he gently guides you back to the flock. Jesus is our shepherd. He calls you. He wants you to know him as he knows you, and he wants to lead you into places where he knows you need to go. Now listen. A sheep only follows its shepherd because it trusts him. You ever have anything happen in your life that you couldn't make sense of? That you're like, why does it have to be this way? And you've spent hours of your energy trying to figure it out or maybe trying to fix it? And it's possible that you're living there now and, and the experience you're having is one that's not pleasant. I can tell you it's not pleasant to have quadruple bypass. It's not pleasant to have it happen in California 3,000 miles from home. It's not pleasant to worry as you're laying in bed that you know you shouldn't be worrying but you're wondering how your wife's getting taken care of. Right? None of that's pleasant. But out of it, In that pasture comes something of intimacy with your shepherd that you can't get any other way and there's a day coming friends listen there's a day coming when you're gonna face the ultimate enemy death is gonna knock at your door death is going to come and it's going to be your time and you have a shepherd the Bible says who walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death therefore I will fear no evil isn't that, what he, isn't that what the psalmist says? Pastor Mike preached on this a few weeks back. And so Jesus wants to lead you, and those sheep who belong to him listen to his voice and follow him. So this morning, perhaps, you would say something like this. Because I belong to Jesus, I am a person who will listen to the voice of Jesus. I will pursue knowing him intimately, even as he knows me intimately, and I will follow him wherever he leads me. You know what makes you want to say something like that? Is because you have this intense love for the shepherd, because you know just how much he gave himself for you. The Bible says, Whoever has been forgiven a little bit will love a little bit, but whoever has been forgiven much, the same will love much. We are incredibly needy sinners with a Savior who's big enough to meet our need for forgiveness, no matter how big it is. And if you're sitting there and you're unwilling to forgive yourself for something in the past, I want you to know, God never commands you to forgive yourself. Never. God points you to Jesus who will forgive you and bring a better forgiveness to your life. Just say, I need it. I'm a sinner who's fallen short. We all have. I can't believe what Jesus has forgiven me in my life. I can't believe I get the chance to stand up here and talk to people about the greatness of my Savior. Jesus died for me, and I don't know why. that He decided to love me. He knew what I was. He knew what I am. He knows what I am. And he still loves me and gave himself for me. So maybe today, as you grasp the greatness of the Savior's love for you, you would just make this statement here. I'm not good because I go to church. I'm not good because I was born in Lancaster County. I'm not good because my parents were good people. I'm not good because I'm an American. I'm not good because I'm a conservative. I'm good because Jesus loves me. This I know. Right, and he has made me right with God. I want to close with this. The implication of this passage, of course, is that there are those sheep who belong to Jesus and there are those sheep who don't. So those people who don't have Christ to rely on, they don't have a shepherd to lead them, not a good shepherd who says he will lead them not only well through this life but to the life to come. He's already made them right with God. But for those who've never come to Christ, the truth is they're not yet his sheep. And it might be that you've never really come to the shepherd and said to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my shepherd. Please take away my sin. Give me the hope of eternal life. Make me right with God. And God says he will all for you asking for it because you can't earn it. He gives it to you in his grace as a free gift. So perhaps today you've come here into this place, this church, And you're here because something related to your desire to be right with God brought you here. And the message that brings us and makes us right with God that gives us hope and that gives us a shepherd is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for being our good shepherd. And now help seal these truths in our heart. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen hosting for this podcast has been brought to you by anchor from spotify our intro and outro song is creative mind by ben sound from all of us here at grace church thanks for listening we'll see you next week